share a short devotion with you, and I'm going to land up with three Ps in the end, so wait for the three Ps. Not in a pod, but three Ps. I'm, I've been a reader all my life. From when I was a very young lad, I, I preferred reading even to movies. I, I, I go to movies, I go to the cinema sometimes, but I sometimes find when I see a movie of a book that I've read, it's a disappointment because my imagination makes it better for me. And sometimes when I read the Bible, I let my imagination roam as well and wonder what was going on in the background and what was the motivation for some things where we haven't been given. And when I read this particular story that uh, Siobhan read just before I came up and which I'll read to you again about the angels and the shepherds, there's some things that intrigue me and I fill in the blanks myself. Um, I have a picture of what I think happened. I mean, you, you can imagine the scene being set, these shepherds out in the field doing what they've done all their lives as, as adults, looking after the sheep and not expecting anything different that night. I don't think they had a, a, a forewarning. I don't think that they were primed for it. And suddenly an angel appears, and they're afraid. I've said this many times. I, I, I go into art galleries, and I see these pictures of angels as these pale-looking creatures uh, in bed sheets, and sometimes they fatten and have a little bow and arrow. But nowhere in the Bible do I get that get that impression of an angel. They're powerful beings, and, and an angel appears to give a message. And it, it says, but the angel said in verse 10, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then it says, and suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared. Angels just appeared everywhere. Now, in my little dramatization, this is not a theology. This is just my little picture in my mind. How did this happen? What was going on? And I can imagine a scene in the heavenly places with a crowd beginning to move off and an angel saying to another, where's everybody going? And, 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 and someone saying, Gabriel's going to go and announce the birth of Jesus. And I come with, yeah, but you've got to keep in the background. Got to keep quiet. You know, angels can appear as they choose to, and they can appear in, in human form. But these angels were there. Something brings them to a point in my little imagination of how the story went where they cannot contain themselves being in the background anymore, where they can't stay hidden, where the joy that's in inside them for the birth of this baby explodes, and they just appear all over the sky singing praises. That, that's something I've kind of got in my mind. What stirred these angels to the point that out in the middle of the sticks, nowhere, not over a city where God was announcing his presence with an angelic choir, but to a bunch of raggedy old shepherds out in a field smelling of sheep, this choir of angels cannot contain itself but explodes across the sky singing these wonderful praises, glory to God in the highest. What's the big deal about babies? You know, we've got this thing about babies, haven't we? I watched the video, and when the baby was born, there was a tear in my eye. But, you know, guys, what do babies actually do? What makes them so special? I've heard a description of a baby as being an elementary canal with a loud noise at one end and a total lack of responsibility at the other end. They, they don't do much. They eat and they poop and they cry at, at various times at their own discretion. And yet we're fascinated by them. You bring one into... Uh, Rachel was at the school the other day and she, she brought the new baby and... Everybody just goes gaga. And you try and catch their attention and you try and get a smile. And often that smile is just wind. 
they haven't got to focus their eyes yet. And even, you know, when a baby smiles at me, this is what they're looking at. It, this doesn't make babies. So, but I'll take it. When they, when they get that little smile on their face and their unfocused eyes begin, we just love them. Why? What moves us in this way? And, and I try to, you know, because, okay, they, they smell great some of the time. You know, there's nothing like a new baby smell. There's nothing like the other smells that babies do either. And, and, and they vary that. So they, 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 they're often very pretty, but not always. Really, you know, those of you who know my son will agree that with me he's a fine-looking young man. He was the ugliest baby you have ever seen. I don't know what was going on inside there before he came out, but he came out with a face like a hatchet. He had this massive nose. I know where he got that. But his face was kind of wedge-shaped. And, and, and to complement it, he had this mohawk that, that stuck up across the top. For the first couple of weeks of his life, we would push him around. We had one of those big prams in the old days you know, with the big wheels and the springs so he could glide along. And we lived in a small town where everybody knew everybody. And they'd seen us. They'd come rushing over and say, oh, it's the baby, the baby. He's so, he, he, he's so, um, he's so little. He was frightening, but I loved him with a passion. And he's turned into a fine young man now. But something about babies gets us. And something about the baby got these angels. There is a potential that lies in them. There is something that we see in them, this little person that's not been written on yet, that has a life ahead of them. It's going to do things, and somehow we're involved. And... You know, I, I know that we focus on baby Jesus at Christmas, but at that time he had done nothing for mankind except be born. He was as dependent on his parents as any other baby. He was as cute at times and probably not cute at other times. He smelt wonderful and he didn't smell wonderful. And Mary probably had many nights when she got up to feed him when she would have rather been sleeping. He was a baby. And yet the angelic hosts explode with great joy that they can't contain when this baby is born, and they sing, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. They realize what has been triggered and what has been started by the birth of this baby. They know that God has got a plan. They know that God has brought something of great potential. You know, my understanding of angels, and I'm not an expert on them, but my understanding of them is they live to serve God. And my understanding of them is the thing that brings them joy is the joy of God. God was rejoicing when this baby was brought into the world. God was rejoicing at the beginning of a plan that he'd been forming for aeons. That now a plan was rolling and was in place whereby he would bring salvation to the world. And when he looked at this child in a manger, he saw a man on a cross. He saw an open tomb. He saw a risen Savior. And his joy for the plan of what they would do, because that would be the door that would open a relationship between him and you and me. And that brought God great joy. I want to personalize this. God and the angels were excited at the birth of Jesus because of their great love for you and me. God saw the door opening as he placed his son in this perilous place, the sinful world, this helpless little baby in the care of two frightened young people. He saw that potential place there and the door opening for a relationship in which you and I could have forgiveness for the sins that were brought into the world so far ago, so far back. 
and that we could be in a relationship with him. And that brought incredible joy. The potential of this baby lying in, in the manger. So there's the first P, potential. I find many places in the Bible where God addresses people through his angels and he calls them things that they aren't at that time. He meets Gideon, he sends the angel of the Lord to Gideon. He says, Hail, mighty warrior. And Gideon wasn't. He was a coward hiding in a hole in the ground at that time. When he meets Mary, he says, you are favored. You know, in, in the video, there was some poignant scenes where people were picking up rocks to stone her because she was pregnant before her wedding. The first part of her relationship with this baby was not all great joy, and it was not feeling highly favored. It was being gossiped about and malingered and, 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 and maligned. It was, was not pleasant. But it was there in the birth of the baby was all that God was going to fulfill. There was that potential. And when God looks at you, no matter who you are sitting here this morning, he sees something different to what I see, and he sees something different to what you see, and he gets excited. And he rejoices because he sees what he's placed inside you. God hasn't made any mistakes. You're not a mistake. You're on this earth for a purpose and a plan, and God can bring that about in you if you will let him. But I want to bring your attention to something else. At this point, Jesus had done nothing. And for quite a long time, nothing happens. In fact, it's 30 years before he begins his ministry as we know it that's described in the Bible. I want you to think about something. We often say quite rightly, Jesus died for me. And Jesus did die for me. But think about this. For 33 years, Jesus lived for you. Every moment of every day, when he had to make a choice, and he had to choose between what he wanted to do and what God his Father had ordained and laid out for him to do, he chose to do his Father's will so that he would remain sinless, so that he could pay the price for you and me, because we couldn't do that. He made choices every day for 33 years that were based on the fact that his father wanted to save you and me. It wasn't a quick fix. It wasn't a baby and a crucifixion. There was a time for patience. There's my second P. There's a time for patience. And, you know, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've sensed God promising something and stirring something new in my life, and there's been this, this potential and this promise, and it doesn't happen in the timing that I wanted to. And sometimes you've got to hold on for that fullness to come. Sometimes that person that God has made you to be doesn't kind of pop out and let everybody see them right in the beginning. And sometimes the victory that's been promised and sometimes the fulfillment of what God's perfect plan is for your life just takes some time. And sometimes it's because God's making us wait and sometimes it's because we're going another lap around the mountain before we become obedient. But there's a need for patience when we talk about this potential. There's a need to hold on and see the fullness. I think it was Mike spoke the other day about a painting that, that has... A, a, a painting of, of, of the cradle of the crib with the light shining on it and, and the, the shadow that's being thrown is not of a crib, it's of the cross. God was seeing the fulfillment when that baby was born. God was seeing the fulfillment of that when a 12-year-old boy went into the temple and, and argued with the Pharisees and, 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 and began to ask questions. God saw that happening when Jesus began his ministry by going into the wilderness and being tempted for 40 days. God saw that happening, but things had to happen and things had to be put in place and opportunity had to be given. And you might be getting really tired of waiting for a promise in your life. And I want to say to you the third P, persevere, hold on, keep going, 
God's got that thing birthed in his mind, and when it's there, it will be fulfilled because God is never forsworn. God never breaks his word. Don't turn back. Don't give up. Don't lose patience. Hang on to what God has birthed into your life. If you're sitting here this morning and you hear as someone who doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you hear as someone who's come along to a church service and it's a traditional time and, and, and you, you're going to hear carols and so forth, welcome, first of all. So glad you're here. But I want to say to you, there's more. There's a potential this morning of you being able to ask Jesus Christ to become personal to you, for that baby to mean something to you personally. For you to take a step and say, Lord, I realize that without that baby who grew to be a man who died on a cross and who rose from the dead, I don't have a chance of being in a relationship with you. So I want you to take my life. And I would encourage you, if, if you've had your heart just kind of stirred a little bit and you're wondering about the reality of this, why angels would cheer and shout and, and, and want to sing, why we rejoice every year at this time when we remember, then I would encourage you, speak to one of us, come and see one of us, any of the leadership, any of the folk who've been leading, come and talk to us about what it means for that baby to become personal to you. You know, when I, when I read those scriptures, I look again ahead to others, and it, it, it says this in John 19 and verse 30. It says, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished, and with that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. His battle and his perseverance ended 33 years after this time in the cot and the time in the cradle. And from there he went on to something that was awesome. It says in Luke chapter 24, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood amongst them and said, peace be with you. And they were startled, thinking they had seen a ghost. I want to read you from Matthew. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's where the story ended. It starts with a helpless baby in a cradle. It ends with a man standing, having completed the task that God has given him, and saying, It is finished. Peace be to you, because all authority has been given to me. That's the Savior that we worship this morning a risen Savior, a completed Savior a fulfilled Savior to whom all authority has been given, and he says to us, he can bring his peace into our lives. Three Ps, potential, patience, and perseverance. If you're walking the path and you're already in the family of God and he's got promises in your life, stand for them. Be patient and persevere. If you don't know him, let this morning be a morning in which you have something to really rejoice about, not just a tradition, not just a festival, but a relationship with the Heavenly Father who loves you so much that angels rejoiced when he sent his son to die. Let's pray together.